0: It is wonderful to be with you. I've got the book, and uh, we're going to be uh, working through it. Um, what I'm not going to do is uh, check that you're sitting comfortably and start at chapter one and just read through the chapters. That is not how we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing this. Um, as we go through this, um, our Sunday messages are going to be connected to the themes and. We're pretty much going to be following the, um, following the, the pattern, the structure of the book. But um, 20 minutes on a, on a Sunday morning is, is not going to be sufficient if we want to really, really wrestle and ask questions and think and pray into uh, this whole subject of prayer. So I would just hugely encourage you to get the book. Um, even if you've been a Christian for longer than I've been alive, good catch um, because it's it's so good nicky gumble um, who many of you will know the name. Um, he runs a very big church in London, and he's the kind of the pioneer of the, of the Alpha Course, which has now been done by more than 30 million people across the world. When this book was, was written, Nicky was like, that was fantastic. He's been waiting for this book for ages. He himself said, even though he's been a Christian for years and years, he, he said he grew and grew and grew. Uh, and I think we're never too old uh, to be taught, never too old Uh, To learn stuff. So I hugely, hugely encourage us to get this book, the book called How to Pray. That's what our series is called as well. Across the world, prayer is happening again and again and again. There was um, a survey just a couple of years ago done in the UK that suggested about 75% of uh, people in the UK pray quite frequently. 75% 75% in, in our increasingly secular land of, of the UK. People pray before exams. People pray when a loved one is sick. People pray uh, if they're racked with worry or, or if they're extremely lonely. At the birth of a child, perhaps the death of a parent. We pray when we're sitting in the sunshine listening to the birdsong or, or when we look up at the night sky. Things like that move people to pray. Whether they would uh, say or identify as as religious in some ways or not at all, something makes people uh, pray. It's quite a common phenomenon. When the pandemic hit, um, particularly like March of last year, within a couple of months, articles came out in The Guardian and in The Telegraph reporting how the British public were turning to prayer in unprecedented numbers. It must have been a thing if the Guardian was to write that. It's just come on. Um, and and it's, it's something that I'm sure most of us in this room, uh, even if you're like, I'm not really sure why I'm here, you've probably found yourself praying at some stage. Your next-door neighbor has probably found themselves praying at some point in their lives. At the same time, most Christians, most followers of Jesus, would acknowledge that that prayer is sometimes really tough. Loads and loads of us, and me included, often feel a bit guilty and kind of think, oh, surely I should be better at this than, than I am. Well, this series is a guilt-free invitation for you to come and reflect on how prayer is in your life, how you pray, guilt-free invitation. Uh, Some might, as we reflect on it, we might uh, turn to thanksgiving and worship and just like, wow, I know why I pray and you're so good. And, And that might be your response. Some of us might find ourselves rethinking the reasons why we pray, maybe even like resetting, rebooting our prayer lives in some way. Uh, a couple of years ago, sorry, not a couple of years, ago, a couple of months ago, uh, we, we, our youngest son's called Rory. He's seven years old. He's this ball of energy, joy, and madness. A couple of uh, months ago, he had hurt his arm or his wrist or his hands. I don't know what he was doing. Probably somersaulting off the sofa as seven-year-olds do. And it got to bedtime, and he was he was particularly playing up, um, and it was sore and. At bedtime prayers, I, I thought, well, the appropriate thing to do would be to pray for uh, his his healing. And and bedtime prayers, he resists those with me. I think Fix has more success than I do. But when I'm doing it, he just like plays up, tries to make me laugh, and that normally works. We prayed for healing for this sore arm of his, and it was quite a holy moment. And then at the end of the prayer, I said, "Amen." And then there was a pause, and then Rory pipes up. No, didn't work, Dad. <laughs> and he said it in such a way. Now, Adam was staying with us at the moment. Adam's in here somewhere. And I just heard Adam. He had, he'd been listening in through the other side of the door to, to all of this nonsense going on. And he just starts cracking up. And then as soon as I get downstairs, he just goes, no, didn't work, Dad. Um, that's the experience of, of prayer in, in our household. I, I think a number of us, actually sometimes see prayer a little bit like that, like, like it's primarily about getting what we want, what we're asking for. And don't get me wrong, prayer is answered. Prayer does change things. Prayer is powerful. Some may have heard in just outside Birmingham, there's permission has been given to build a national monument. It's going to be called the Eternal Wall of answered prayer. We've got a picture that we'll be able to uh, put up on the screen. So planning permission has been given. All the permissions now, they're just uh, finalizing the, um, the, the, the fund raising, uh, and then it's going to be built. It's going to be sitting in between, I think, the M5 and the HS2 line. And traffic going either side are going to be able to see this enormous monument. Probably, I think they estimate, over half a million travelers a week will see this thing. Um, And the whole idea of this is that each brick in this structure is going to be representing an answered prayer. Answered prayers are being sent in, collated, and there's going to be some clever app thing where you kind of tap the brick and then you hear the story. Of answered prayer. Already on their website are story after story after story of answered prayer. They're going to be having a million uh, answered prayers to raise our faith, to, to get us thinking to, you know, people can go and sit there and just pray and, and, and just wonder. Uh, prayer is answered. The Bible says prayer is powerful and effective. And we hear and celebrate testimonies of of answered prayer here often. But prayer is about so much more than than just having our wish list uh, met. It's about so much more. I'd love it if you have a Bible. Would you turn to the book of Ephesians? It's in the New Testament, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in a place called Ephesus. So it's in the New Testament letters. If you've got the app, that's probably the quicker way. And Ephesians Uh, Chapter 3. I'd like to look at just one verse at this part, and then we'll look at just one verse a little bit later on. I've been um, following Jesus for about 30 years uh, of of my life. I hadn't noticed this verse until around five or six years ago, and it, it just kind of jumped off the page and got me. And since then, I think it's been the single most important verse uh, in, my, in my faith, in my life. So it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. And it says this. In him, it's just been talking about Jesus. So it's talking about Jesus. In Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. i going to read it one more time. In Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God With freedom and confidence, I wonder if you know the truth of that this morning. That you and I may approach God with freedom and confidence. So, just think about it in your day-to-day lives. Who is it that you approach with freedom and and confidence? So, a little think about that in your everyday lives. There there must be uh, some scenarios that you approach. And you have a real sense of freedom and a real sense of confidence. I'd suggest there are probably two scenarios. The first one is when there is love and relationship and acceptance and belonging. That might well be your family. might well be among a close group of friends. And you, just, you have a real peace. You can go into their presence or into that room with a real sense of freedom, real confidence, because you know that you're loved. So that's, that's one uh, scenario. You might think of uh, children who uh, just run up to a mum or a dad and, and they just instantly start hugging or they kind of climb up into a lap or they might just like, reach out a hand for you to take and, and walk with them. Children don't need permission for a hug or a cuddle or just for company or for affection. In a healthy family, and I know that not everyone in this room Will have experienced this, but you'll still know this is true in a healthy family. A child will be confident as he or she approaches a dad or a mom. Can you see what this verse is saying? It's the same. We are like children, kids to a heavenly father, he invites us to approach him on that basis, children to a father that's that's the invitation uh, from him the second scenario so that, that's the first scenario maybe family maybe friends the second scenario where I believe I'm sure you will approach people rooms places with freedom of confidence is when you know that you have the right to do so so um, if there are any teenagers uh, in the room or watching uh, when when you were not yet in the sick form and your school maybe had a sick form common room, you didn't go into that place, but when you made it into the sick form, that was a special place for you. The, the pool table, the table tennis table, the coffee machine, whatever it was, you would go into that place with freedom and confidence, because you had the right to do so. I was chatting to a teacher even earlier today, and teachers, they have the staff room, and lots of work happens there, but it's also a place, often in schools, where, where you can just breathe. And you're allowed in there, but others aren't. The kids... They might go in there to give a note, but they're like, woohoo, it's the staff room. Even when parents go in there for some kind of function, they know they're on your, your turf. You can go in there with real freedom, real confidence. You, you might be a, a company director and the boardroom is this maybe a sort of hallowed space, but you can go in there. Others are like, oh, we're in the boardroom, or whatever it is, a member of a golf club going into the clubhouse. Uh, you can go and you have the right to go in there. A selected team player in a a sport can go into the change room. They know that they have the right to do so. But others can't with the same freedom, the same confidence. They don't have that right. This is where I think the first few words of that verse that we put up are so important. Because we have the right to enter God's presence because... Of Jesus, if we can get those, ver- those words up on the screen again, that verse starts with "In Him, in Jesus, and through faith in Him." It's not that there's anything special about us, whether we're the lovely Nick Stott or the lovely someone else, that in the loveliest way, there's nothing special about me. there's nothing special uh, about you. It's not that we've done anything. To earn this right, like, hey, check me out, look what I've achieved. That doesn't, that's not how it goes. It's all about through Jesus we've been given this right. Some of you will know uh, at the beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave what? He gave the right to become children of God. And and this, for me, this is actually the real essence of prayer. I I think the Bible makes this point again and again and again that God is this Father who just loves us. He just loves us and, and sees us as his sons and daughters and is longing, longing for us to come into his presence, to be with him, to know his love again and again. Um, A few years ago, uh, Vix and I lived in Africa. I was working in a school, and we had just completed uh, our annual mission week at the school uh, where I worked. And at the end of the week, we invited the teenagers there to fill in a a little feedback sheet so we knew what had had hit them and, and what had maybe missed the mark. One of the questions on the feedback sheet was, the best part of the week for me was... And we left it blank for them to fill in whatever they wanted to. Some of the guys said the touch rugby tournament. That was a particular hit. Some of the guys said the grand finale, the final night, where 600 to 700 teenagers were worshipping God, led by um, just a great worship leader who had come out from the UK to to lead it. It was an extraordinary moment. I think my favourite sheet, the one that I think of quite often, was filled in by one teenager Uh, And he said this, uh, the best part of the week for me was, he wrote in three words, meeting my dad. And I was like, what? And he had become a Christian that week. He had discovered the love of God for himself that week. And that's how he chose to describe it, meeting my dad. I thought that was stunning. I thought that was what it was uh, all about. On the Alpha course, Andrew uh, talked about earlier, so we hear the story uh, that, so of something that happened in the American uh, Civil War. A, um, a soldier had been granted leave to go and petition the President to be excused from military service. There had been some kind of family tragedy, and he was like, "Please excuse me military service, so I can go and look after the family home." the mother. The, the, the sisters and things like that. So he, he got leave. He went uh, to Washington, D.C. He went to the White House, but he got turned away, got rejected, pushed away, couldn't get past the, the guards, the soldiers, and he went off and sat in a park, sitting on a bench, and he was gutted and so depressed. A short while later, a little boy walked past, and this boy could see this soldier broken, and the boy went up, started chatting to him, And this soldier just poured out his broken heart and the anxiety of not being able to go and look after his family. And uh, the little boy, at the end of hearing the story, just said, well, come with me. And for some reason, the soldier was like, "Mm, all right. Followed this little boy out the park, down a side lane, round the back, through some back gates into the White House grounds. Soon enough, they were in the White House. They passed guards, they passed generals, they passed high-ranking officials. The little boy walked straight into the presidential office without even knocking. Abraham Lincoln turned. He was in the middle of a conversation with the secretary of state. He turned from the conversation and said, Todd, what can I do for you? And the little boy said, Dad, this soldier needs your help. It's a cool story. And you can see the point. That little boy had freedom and confidence to go straight into what we think on earth is like the probably the most woe room. And he's just like, dad. And we have that access to the king of kings. When the disciples, we, we got this right in the quiz, didn't we? When the disciples asked Jesus, said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, Okay. Pray like this, and he starts by saying, say this, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. It's all about relationship. God, the loving Father, inviting us into his presence to know his love, to discover who we are, to find our purpose. And every relationship, of course, Requires communication, the spending time, the talking, the listening, the being, and that's what prayer is. I love this book because it helps us with the the how. It's it's okay to have a rough kind of understanding. That's what it is. How do we go about it? And I love this. The opening couple of chapters, which we're kind of based in today, really think about the where and the when. In one sense, prayer can be anywhere and anytime. You might be driving off to work. It can be on the road, in the car, at any time. Anywhere, anytime. We see that in the life of Jesus. Almost anywhere, anytime, we see him pausing and praying, giving thanks, even when he's in the meal. Thank you, Lord. There can be an anywhere, anytime, but we also read Uh, In the Gospel of Mark, this is the second verse I want us just to think about today. It's Mark 1, verse 35. We also read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And when we read the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke and John, (laughs) when we read all those Gospels and really sort of just work it through... We see that this isn't just a one off. We see that this is his custom. We see that this is his habit. This is his pattern. This is what he did. We've got a place and a time. We've got a where and a when. And I guess my question this morning for each of us is do you have a where and a when? A place and a time that becomes part of your daily rhythm. For Victor me, it's um, it's normally in the kitchen, normally before the kids are awake. Hopefully, Rory wakes up earlier than I wish he would, but it's normally in the kitchen. One of us has normally got some headphones on, so we're not disturbing each other. Um, and and it's a special, it's a special place. We're clasping a cup of tea. Uh, it's a special place. Sometimes we're listening through the headphones to something that might help us. Uh, concentrate or help us reflect or help us pray, but that's the time. I find it is the best way for me to start the day, to connect with the Father, to sit with him and sometimes just be. Sometimes my head is spinning, spinning, spinning with the things that are happening in the day, and if I can, I'm just like, Lord, don't let me do this day without you. Let me open your word, let me hear your voice, even in the busyness. A daily discipline Hopefully, becomes a holy habit. I am possibly the most distractible person on the planet. I'm easily bored. I, I'm like, oh, look at that bird, and then I just, I was like, oh, I was meant to be having a prayer time. Um, I am so easily distracted. Sundays, I barely get past the good morning, Lord, in my quiet time. Sometimes I I literally just read the verse of the day and, and then Rory comes in making a lot of noise or whatever it is. Some days are they are not sure if they achieve anything at all. But they nearly always happen. And other days there's a real sense of knowing I'm his kid. He loves me. I don't have to do this, whatever it is that day, without him. I think it might be the most important part of my day. It's where the relationship grows. It's where it's nurtured and fed. Three key tips from this book, which I love it if you would unpack. I'll just give the little subheadings and then the rest is for you to go and explore. Three key tips about those times are keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, Keep it real, and keep it up. I would love to read one paragraph uh, from this book as I kind of begin to uh, wrap this up. This is uh, on page 24, um, and uh, you can uh, get the book. You can read this. This this paragraph probably hit me more than any others. Um, Pete Greg is is writing. He's writing about his own distractions. I connected with that. He says this. As someone who struggles with all kinds of self-discipline, attending the gym, declining chocolate cake, going to bed before midnight, bothering to floss my teeth, and yes, even maintaining regular times of prayer, I hesitate to advocate the rigidity of any such routine. I don't want to put anything heavy or unsustainable on you as you seek to grow in prayer. But here, is the great and inescapable truth taught in Scripture, modelled by Christ, and advocated without exception by all heroes of our faith. Here it is. You cannot grow in prayer without some measure of effort and discomfort, self-discipline, and self-denial. Just as you cannot get physically fit without regular exercise and a healthy diet, so your spiritual growth will be determined to a very significant extent by the prayer exercises you choose, or do not choose, to establish and sustain. If that was the only bit of this book, that would be worth it that it's making the point we, we've, we've got to invest in those regular, regular, regular times. We can pray everywhere at any time, but there's also that, that place and that specific time. Uh, the final thing, uh, you've probably seen us wave this a number of times. This is our little rule of life booklet, and this is all about helping us put those habits in place. That will help us keep God in the center of everything. When you open it up, it's got those four kind of columns. The very first column is about prayer and opening his word. And uh, friends, this morning as these youngsters return to us, I'd I'd love us now to take a moment where we pray. These little guys can just join in. Uh, Would you like to stand? And uh, Jay and the guys are going to come up.